Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Impact Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm Pastor Brandon, the church planter and lead pastor. We are a new church in the D.C. area that is centered on the gospel and sent to our neighborhoods, Northern Virginia, and the nations. Please visit our website at www.impactfxbg.church. There, you'll find our current meeting times and locations. Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. Bible, uh, I'd invite you guys to go ahead and get that out and turn with me. Let's see, where are we going to start today? Well, we're going to flip to a few different places, but let's start in the book of Mark today. Let's go to Mark chapter 16. So uh, if you're new to church, maybe it's your first time to church in a long time, or maybe your first time to church ever, um, I want to encourage you, maybe you didn't bring a Bible to church today. That's okay. Uh, Feel free to use a phone or a tablet, and uh, you can... uh, flip along with us or scroll along with us, whatever your preference is. Uh, if you don't have a Bible app, I encourage you to just go to the app store, type one in, and uh, you should be able to find a good one, and um, you can follow along in God's Word today. One of the reasons we do that, and I encourage that, um, is not because it's like, oh, it's boring time or whatever, but because I feel like sometimes at churches, we don't know how to interact with the sermon time, with the message time. We look at it as just there's, you know, Bozo up there juggling and doing some tricks, and maybe he'll say something we like, and maybe he won't, and we'll go have lunch and talk about it, or maybe we won't, and it'll be done, you know? Uh, But listen, this is not me just up here doing this, all right? This is, we are God's people surrounding ourselves in God's Word to hear a word from God today. All right. That's what the message time is. Um, So uh, one thing that helps me is following along in my Bible. Another thing that helps me is taking notes. So you may have noticed some response cards on your seats. Um, The blue little tear off thing. We're going to ask everybody that's here today, whether it's your first time or your 50th time to fill that card out and give us a prayer request. And you'll drop it off in the giving station on your way out today. Um, But there's also a place you can take notes on there. And I want to encourage you guys to do that as well. All right. A couple of announcements. uh, Well, really just one. Um, that has a couple of things. But I want to remind you, if you're just joining us today, um, I want to remind you guys of, of just the cool thing that, um, man, God has provided for our church, and uh, we're going to be moving soon. So we've got uh, Move with Impact that's going to be happening here in the next couple of weeks. So listen to me. Um, next Sunday is our last Sunday here at Cornerstone, okay? It's our last Sunday. Wait, nobody's, nope. I, I don't know. Just waiting to see if there were like cheers or tears or what was going to happen. Um, but uh, this is going to be our last, our last Sunday is next Sunday at 1030. Nothing's going to change for next Sunday, okay? The Sunday after that, on July 23rd, we are meeting at Old Mill Park for worship, right? We're going to do worship at the park. Um, so we're going to do Old Mill Park. It's going to be really great. Um, we're going to have, uh, we, we've already paid fees and stuff. And there is, a, if you don't live in the city or in Stafford County, there is a parking charge. But we're going to be running a shuttle from Riverfront Park. Uh, so you can still park uh, for, you don't have to pay the charge. And we'll come pick you up and we'll run a shuttle. And we're going to have a pavilion and we're going to hang out and we're going to have worship service. So we're still going to open up God's word. We're going to sing. We're going to have games for the kids, um, hanging out. We're going to have a uh, little picnic after. We'll have some sandwiches and stuff. So it's going to be just a really great day. Uh, And we're also going to be offering baptisms that day. So if you're like, man, I always want to get baptized in a river. Man, I got some good news for you. Um, We got 
a good day coming up, all right? So it's going to be a lot of, a lot of fun. Um, and so we'll talk more about that later. But then July 30th, the next Sunday, the last Sunday of July, is our first Sunday in our new location, all right? We're going to be at Tidewater Trail, and we're going to be sending out, like, some information about, like, what's going on and how to get there and things like that. Next Sunday, our serve team leaders are meeting in the new place to map out a logistics plan and strategy to kind of help out. So we'll be, uh, we'll be able to help you, out, help you guys out with that. Um, so just be, make sure you're on the email list. You can stop by our Next Steps table if you're not. We'll make sure you get the information that you need, all right? Uh, so we're going to be doing that. But the thing I need you to notice, all right, is that we are doing a time change, okay? So in our new space on July 30th, we are meeting at 10 a.m., not 1030, all right? So 10 a.m., not 1030. So, and that will be for forevermore, okay, <laughs> or at least until for the foreseeable future, all right? Um, so just wanted to kind of update you guys on that um, and wanted to thank you guys for praying so much and how God has provided and to let you know this is normal. This is a part, this is why at Impact Church we say we are not, uh, we do not go to church. Church is not a building. Church is the people of God. We are the ones saved by Jesus. So the fact that we're going to worship on Sunday mornings at a different location is not, uh, it's not a big deal for us because we gather in homes throughout the week for community groups anyway. So that's who we are as a church. So I'm super proud of you guys. Um, and I wanted to let you guys know this. this is really important. And uh, you can write this as your first note today. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. The mission does not change. The mission does not change. And uh, to be honest with you, there's something special about being part of a, of a church plant, something special about coming in and setting up chairs and, you know, setting up signs and banners and doing all of this that um, some of you are like, yeah, special. Hmm, I haven't, haven't used that word before, but yeah, special. There's something special about it, being able to set up and be part of a church plant because what it does is it reminds you that you're on a mission. It reminds you that church is a battleship, not a cruise ship. It reminds you that there's something special going on, that the Lord Jesus is worth it, right? A little something more than if you just kind of show up and sit back and leave and do all of that. So there's just something special about it. So I want you guys to hear me say this. Even though we're changing our Sunday morning location, listen, guys, the mission of God does not change. It stays the same. And so today we're continuing our um, sermon series, What on Earth is Missions? Send Me. And last week, um, if you missed it, you can go catch up on our sermon podcast, but we really just set the stage, talked about exactly where does missions begin. And missions begins with prayer and worship. Uh, That's where we start. Um, But then we got to get a little more practical, like what exactly is the mission? Like when we say missions, what are we talking about? Like what is the mission of God? And um, and so I I thought I was kind of looking through and what I noticed is that they're actually like, the church is not the only one that has a mission. Did you guys know that? In fact, if you work for a company or an organization, you may have even been made to memorize their mission statement, right? Mission statements are a really common thing. In fact, like I've heard people that have mission statements for their families or mission statements for their marriages. And we're just all about, I know people have personal mission statements. And, you know, so, so this thought of like having a mission statement or being on mission, not something that's necessarily unique to the church. In fact, a lot of people try to be on mission. So when we think about mission, if we're not careful, we'll think about mission in terms of secular things instead of spiritual things. Like, let me, let me give you guys a couple of my favorite mission statements here. Um, 
I, I love the uh, Coca-Cola. Man, who doesn't love a good Coca-Cola classic, right? Listen to their mission statement. To refresh the world. <laughs> Holy cow. Like, that's incredible. Like, let's just hit them with a bang, you know? Like, why does Coca-Cola exist? To refresh the planet. The whole world. And listen to this. To inspire moments of optimism. Because that's what I'm thinking about when I'm down in a Coca-Cola, you know? I'm like, man, the world is awesome, you know? And happiness. Listen to this. To create value and make a difference. That's a powerful mission statement for a soft drink. Seriously, right? What's amazing to me is, did you know that more people on the planet actually have access to Coca-Cola Classic than they do the Gospel of Jesus Christ and a Bible? Isn't that amazing? And so, like, I want you to think about that. Like, Coca-Cola, all right? Like, they're, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think it's pretty brave, you know? Because when I think Coke, I just think, I, I don't know, I think glass bottles and polar bears. Like, that's what I think of Coke. When they think Coke, they think refresh the world, add value to the planet, and make a difference. Okay, whatever. Then I, I look at, uh, what was it, Microsoft. Microsoft, listen to Microsoft. To enable people and businesses throughout the world to realize their full potential. That's amazing. That's pretty worthy, right? I'm kind of like, oh, okay, I could get behind Microsoft. Like, we want to help the whole world realize that they have potential, that they have purpose. It's amazing. Oh, what, what's that? Oh, yeah. Meta. Meta. Facebook, Instagram. This is, this is their, their mission statement. Giving people the power to build community and bring the world closer together. That's amazing. Like their, their mission is to build community among the whole world. Does that sound like something we read about in the book of Acts? They were all together, had all things in common, being together all the time, right? These are grand missions. Like, and these, I mean, this is not, I mean, I'm like, okay, I mean, Facebook, Instagram, like, it's kind of cool, I guess, sometimes, sometimes not, but sometimes it's cool, like, okay, but I wouldn't say that it's like, man, that's, wow, like, let's put all of our hope behind Facebook, you know, like, let's put all of our hope in Coca-Cola, there's a couple more, let's go a couple more, um, next slide, <laughs> uh, Starbucks, the, the mermaid calling, it says, um, to inspire and nurture the human spirit. I mean, isn't that crazy? Some of you are like chuckling. But like, that's crazy. Like, I mean, I've never, I mean, let me tell you something. I love caffeine, okay? <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. And like, so, so, <laughs> a lot. Sometimes, sometimes I'll drink caffeine. I don't know if you're, if you're a coffee drinker like me, but you take that first sip and you feel it. Like, it fills the crevices of your bloodstream. You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I feel it. It's coming in. It's coming in. You know, I'm coming alive, baby. But I've never, I've never drank a cup of Starbucks and been like, this is a very soulful experience for me. You know? But listen, their mission is not just to caffeinate us. It is to inspire and nurture our souls, our spirits. And how they do it? One person, one cup, one neighborhood at a time. Isn't that crazy? They're not even out to impact um, coffee. Or people, they're out to impact entire communities and neighborhoods. Uh, what's this last one? Oh, Etsy. 
You guys ever heard of Etsy before? Yeah, they sell like crafts. Like it's a, it's, okay, 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 all right, all right. Hey, y'all, I don't have an office, but if I did, I'd ask to see y'all after. This is, this is Etsy, <laughs> this is Etsy's mission statement, okay? Etsy, like, like show and tell, but we charge you for it. It says to, so sorry, so sorry. To, reim- <laughs> to reimagine commerce in ways that build a more fulfilling and lasting what? World. We are building a human, authentic, and community-centric global and local marketplace. That's a grand mission. And guys, here's, here's the deal. One thing that all of these have in common is they all want to change the world. They're, they're all passionate about seeing lives changed. They're all passionate about bringing people together and having community. The problem is that the only thing that can do that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like, that's it. Like, and, and yet, when I look at the church and I look at, and I don't mean just us, I mean, I'm talking like the church global. When I look at it, sometimes I go, man, but yet, we will, like some of us, and we're brand loyal, right? Like we will just be brand loyal to some of these brands forever. But when it comes to the mission of God, like the only mission that's going to be around forever, guys, Coca-Cola one day is going to perish. It's not going to exist anymore. Microsoft is not going to exist one day. Like 47 billion years from now, Etsy will not be around. Do you know the only thing that's going to still be standing 274 trillion years from now? the church of Jesus Christ. That's it. And, and yet, like we often treat it with less zeal and less passion. We, we, if we're not careful, we'll take the mission of God and make it less important. But guys, it is literally the only mission that is worthy to give our lives to. So that's what we're going to talk about today is what was the mission defined by Jesus? Like what is the mission that Jesus gave to us? And so what I want us to do is flip through God's word and we're going to read a few examples and then I'm going to really focus on one specific one, okay? And I'm going to focus really on that one. I'm going to take it, break it down by some words, and then we'll respond uh, to the Lord, okay? So let's start in Mark chapter 16. Did I tell you guys what verse? Verse 15. Mark 16, verse 15. If you're there, say, I'm there. Okay, we got a few. All right, Mark chapter 16, verse 15. This is what uh, Jesus says. Jesus said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. All right, so right here in Mark, this is Mark's version, the gospel of Mark. Mark, who's writing this, this is his version of what Jesus said before he went back to heaven. And the last mission that he gave to his followers, to his disciples, was to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all of creation. All right? Now let's flip over with me to the book of Luke. All right? So just flip over and we're going to go to Luke chapter 24. So flip or scroll and we're going to Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Luke 24, 44. And I want you to hear, again, another version. This is the same event okay this is the same event same thing it's just different writers 
take on what Jesus said. And you're going to notice the similarities. Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 44. If you're there, say, I'm there. Then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Okay? So that's, that's Luke's verse. Same thing Mark said. Luke said he adds a few words, all right, and that, that's what he said. Now flip over with me again to the book of John. So you just keep on flipping or keep on scrolling. John chapter 20. Okay, we're going to read this passage. John chapter 20, verse 21. And the reason I'm asking you guys to flip through this, I'm hoping maybe it'll help you underline them in your Bible or highlight them on your app so that you know where they're at in your Bible, you can come back to them. John chapter 20, starting in verse 21. If you're there, say, I'm there. Okay, great. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, So we have another, again, this is John's version. John's saying, listen, you know, I've got a plan for you, purpose. I'm sending you out. Here's the Holy Spirit. Get ready to go. All right. Now, flip backwards with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 28. Okay, Now we're flipping backwards. We're going to start at the first gospel, the book of Matthew, chapter 28. And we're going to start in verse 16. Matthew 28, 16. Now, everything that we've read so far is the same event, okay? It's the same event, it's the same thing that's happening. I'm just showing you, like, th that it's in the Bible, okay? And it's not just in the Bible, it's in there multiple times. Like, there are some things, like a healing that maybe Matthew records that Mark doesn't record, right? Or, a, or something that, that John talks about that, you know, uh, Luke doesn't talk about. So, like, there's these different stories we get to piece together. But isn't it interesting, this is the one thing, the singular event, that every single writer of the Gospels all were on the same page on. They were like, man, this, is, this was important. We got this, okay? So Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. If you're there, say, I'm there. All right, Matthew 28, verse 16. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then I'm going to come back and give you some context, all right? Matthew 28, 16 says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed, had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Now, I, want, I, want to, I want you to stop right there. I want you to remember what we talked about last week. We said missions begins with what? Prayer worship. So isn't it interesting that right before we get the mission of God, they're having a worship service. Even the mission of God from Jesus was birthed out of a worship service. Okay? Verse 18. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always 
to the end of the age. Amen. So I want to want to start and just kind of break down some of the words, okay? So if you're taking notes, here's what we're going to do. We're actually going to start in verse 18, and we're going to just take some of the words. Now, this is called, this section of Scripture is called the Great Commission. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write that down, okay? Because a lot of times, this is what we as followers of Jesus will refer to. We'll say like, hey, um, do you know the Great Commission? Or are you aware of the Great Commission? And a recent study said that 50% of evangelical Christians in America had no idea what the Great Commission was, all right? So it's no wonder, like, we're not doing it. <laughs> we're not even really sure what it is. So I want to make sure that we, as a new church, understand when we say the Great Commission, what we're talking about. We're talking about these verses right here. If somebody says, oh, the Great Commission is like uh, this or that, don't, don't get, let them get away with it. The Great Commission is actually a word-for-word statement from Jesus, a mission statement that God has given to us, all right? Um, and so, and this is where it starts. It starts with this word. Um, so if you're taking notes, this is our first word, therefore, therefore. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I've never preached an entire message on the word therefore before. But I think it's a really important word because anytime you're reading scripture and you see the word therefore, it needs to trigger you, okay? Like anytime you're reading, even if you don't understand what you're reading and you see the word therefore, you need to stop. It needs to trigger you and you need to underline it because when we see it in the Bible, the word therefore is telling us what the previous passage we just read is there for. You get it? Okay, no one's impressed, but that, that's like the best English game I bring to the table, and like no one's impressed by that, all right. So that's, that's what it does, okay? So when Jesus starts off in verse 18 and he says, therefore, therefore, what is he talking about? Like that precludes something, like he's telling us what did he just say and what was that there for? Like, why did he say what he just said? Well, what did he say in verses 16 and 17? He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Okay, well, how did Jesus get all of the authority? Like, like how did Jesus become the main man? Like, how did he become the dude? Like, how did that happen for Jesus? Well, he rose from the dead. Like... <laughs> I mean, when you, when you rise from the dead, you can have all of the authority, right? And so Jesus Christ, like, he rose from the dead. Like, I want you to imagine, like, if that happened to you and someone you knew that was dead came back to life and said they had a message for you, would you listen? I wouldn't, but I would make Jake listen. And then I would get notes from him because that would freak me out. Okay, that would just totally freak me out. But in this case, that's why Jesus in some of the accounts, he starts with peace. Peace be with you. It's okay. It's me, right? And it's really cool. So like if Jesus came back from the dead and said, I came back because I have a message for you from God to tell you before I go back. So God sent me back here to tell you this. I would listen. I would want to know what is it. And the disciples they're even like writing it down. They're like, can you repeat that next? All authority. Okay, the authority. And that's what they're doing. So guys, like the, the mission of God is there because Jesus has risen from the dead. Okay? We don't follow the mission of God just because it's a religious thing to do or because we feel guilted into it or because we're manipulated into it. We fulfill the mission of God because Jesus is alive. 
Like He really is alive, guys. He, he died on the cross and He rose from the dead and He showed up and appeared on earth and then went back to the Father and one day Jesus is physically going to come back and He's going to reclaim His church. Like Jesus is alive. This is why we show up on a Sunday morning at a random building and lift our hands and sing praises to Jesus. Not because they just stir, oh, they make us feel good or bring some nostalgia to us or have a good beat. We do it because Jesus really is alive. This is why we talk about following Jesus. Because let me just be honest with you, we don't follow dead people. That's weird. It's weird. Right? But the reason that we say that we follow Jesus and are in a relationship with Jesus is because Jesus is not dead. This is why we don't have a relationship with Muhammad or with Buddha or with Socrates. This is why we only talk about having a relationship with God because Jesus is alive and you can have a relationship with him. There's a, um, a song, and most of you have probably, maybe none of you have ever heard this song before, but it's from a guy that I used to preach camps uh, way back when I was like, uh, thought I was cool, and uh, when I would preach camps, I did it one time with this guy. He was the worship leader, and he had the coolest name ever. In fact, I tried to change my name uh, to his name, and his, his name is uh, Matt Papa, and I thought, man, that's really cool, and then I was like, dude, is that your real name? He was like, nah. I was like, man, I knew it. What's your real name? He's like, Matthew Papa, and I was like, okay, okay, all right, um, and so I, I asked if I could be Brandon Papa, and uh, it didn't fly, it didn't fly. Um, anyway, he wrote a song called This Changes Everything, and it's about the resurrection of Jesus. And I just want to read the lyrics to you, and I think I've got them on the screen. Yeah, I don't know if you can read that, but listen to this. way it says, it says, I grew up in a little town, used to sing in the old church house. There in the pew where I used to hide, I learned the story about the man who died. Well, I was sure I heard that he got back up. But as we broke the bread and drank the cup, Seemed the faces told another tale. They were as dry as the bread was stale. Did I miss something? Was I not supposed to cry? Did they hear the preacher? Jesus is alive. If this is true, this changes everything. If this is real, I've got to tell the world. If he is God, then I've got a choice to make. If I believe, then I must follow him. Now I've got a wife and a family. We live in a land that's safe and free, and on every corner a steeple shines where I'm taught to build a happy life. Did we miss something? Are we not supposed to cry when so many don't know that Jesus is alive? Well, if this is true, then this changes everything. If this is real, I've got to tell the world. If he is God, then I've got a choice to make. If I believe, then I must follow him. Guys, that's what the word therefore means. The word therefore in our mission is the gospel of Jesus. And if the gospel is true, you cannot accept it and not live it. If Jesus is alive, it has massive implications for your life. And it would be better to say, I'm not sure I believe that yet, and I need to sort that out, than to claim you believe it and not live it. It would be much more authentic and real and honest, and you would get a lot further with God, a lot quicker with God, if we were just real. 
But there are so many of us who do believe it. And I want you to know that now we get to follow him. So what does he say next? He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So if you're taking notes, write that down. Go and make disciples of all nations. And uh, this is really important that we put the whole phrase in there, all right? It's really important that we put go and make disciples of all nations. Because a lot of times when I hear this passage taught, I hear it broken down like this. They talk about the word go, right? Everybody say go. All right, they talk about the word go, and they say, oh, man, we've got we've to go and go. And, make, and when I was growing up in church, they'd have missionaries come, and all they talk about is go. And the preacher would say, we've got to go, we've got to go. And then I thought, like, what would he do if everybody just did that, like, in the middle of the message? You know, we've got to go. And everybody's like, well, I've got to go, you know, and just left, like, and be in sad shape, you know. And so we t- take the word go, and then we take the phrase make disciples, and nobody really knows what that means. So we just sum it into, well, just go be a bunch of weirdos and tell everybody about Jesus in the most obnoxious ways possible. And then we take the words all nations, and we say, oh, great. Now, if I don't move to this other country, if I don't move to, to this foreign country I've never been to, then I'm not pleasing God. And so I guess I just, you know, and we start putting these guilt trips on us. So listen to me. In the original language, Jesus would have said this, and it, go, it fits best saying it all together, okay? Instead of segmenting it and saying, well, you need to go, or you need to make disciples, or all, go to another country, okay? Listen to it in its entirety. Go and make disciples of all nations. That is the command. They are not three different commands. It is one command of Jesus. But I want you to hear that there are some verbs, and uh, I was just playing with you before. I do have some more English in me today, like English knowledge. And uh, here's what I know about verbs, is there are some passive verbs, and there are some active verbs, okay? Some imperatives, we might call them. And here, okay, all right, all right, all right. And so, but here, here's, what I know. here's what I know, is that in this passage, in the original language, the word go, everybody say go. The word go is actually a passive verb. So it is a verb, it does mean to go, but it's not the main focal point of what Jesus is trying to say. The, the imperative word in this sentence is actually the word make. Everybody say make. Okay, that's the imperative. So Jesus would have said it something like this. Okay, um, hey, as you're going from this mountain, make disciples of all the nations. That's probably what he would have said. Now, growing up, this is how I heard it. Go! And make disciples of all nations. So I heard everybody was obsessed with the going. And so we sent a bunch of people, and then they didn't know what to do when they got there. And so here's the thing. The mission of God doesn't stop at go. It actually doesn't even start with go. It it is about making. But then how do you know what you're making? Well, you've got to make disciples. Okay, and so, so, and what does the word disciple mean? So you may go, okay, make disciples. What does that entail? Well, the word disciple means a follower of Jesus. So when we're talking about making disciples, we're talking about helping people follow Jesus. We're not talking about converting people. Listen to me, the call to make disciples is not a call to convert people. It is a call to help people follow Jesus to build a relationship with God. So when you knock on someone's door and say, can I tell you six points 
Uh, And if you died tonight, where would you go? Do you know you would go to heaven? Do you want to go to heaven? Let me tell you six ways on how you can do that. Are you ready to pray? Let me pray for you. Great. What's your name and phone number and address? Great. Check mark. Have a good one. See you in heaven. And then we go to the next door. Okay. The problem is I'm not opposed to sharing the gospel and everybody's got their own giftings. And so I'm not knocking that. I'm just telling you that's not making disciples. That's evangelism. That's a way that we can share the gospel, but that's not what Jesus intended or had in mind when he told us to go and make disciples because not one single time did we teach them how to follow Jesus. So the the idea of making disciples without a relationship was foreign in the New Testament. Didn't happen apart from the local church. And so that's literally what it means. And then that, that next part of all nations, this is an amazing thing because the word in the original language is like, um, it's like ethos or, or ethnos. It, it literally means different ethnicities. And so when we talk about being a church that's multi-ethnic, this is where we get it from. This is the verse. This is the passage of where it is in the Bible. It ain't woke theology. It's not trying to fit in with the culture. It's straight up biblical. Okay, because Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations. And if we're not careful, here's what we like to do. We segment the mission of God and try to fit in the part that we think we prefer the most. Right. You see that some people love to go because they're restless and it's just easier to keep leaving than it is to stay put in one place and grow. So some people just prefer to always pick up and leave and go. And so they say, my calling is not to make disciples or to go to the nation. I just go. That's what I do. And then some people say, well, I don't really like to go. I like to stay. And I just make disciples. That's what I do. I just sit here and I teach Sunday school and I teach community group and I lead and I do that. I'm going to do that for the next 60 years and die. And it's going to be great. And that's all that I do. And then some people are just about all nations. And they just succumb to wanderlust. And they go on every mission trip they can, and they pack their suitcases, and they stamp their passports, and they try to get to every country that they can, and they brag about it, and they post pictures of them with little children from other countries to try to impress other Christians. And they do all of this stuff, and that's all they care. They don't really care about the going, and they're definitely not making disciples, but they like going to different countries. Okay? This is why we, we have to read it all at once. Because we don't get to segment the mission of God and fit into our cubby that we're most comfortable with. We are all called to have an element of going. And the fact is, we are all going to leave here, aren't we? Let me rephrase that. You're all going to leave here today. Okay? The lights are going to turn off. Nobody wants to be in a church in the dark by themselves. All right? You're gonna, we're, gonna, we're all going to leave. We're going to get out of here. And as we're going, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to make disciples of all nations. We're all going to go. But it's not just as we go. It's also that some of us, all of us at some point, are going to have to go out of our comfort zones. Sometimes that means different countries. Sometimes it means different neighborhoods. Sometimes it means a different part of the city. Sometimes it means different things. But we all are called to go. We're all called to make disciples. People go, oh, I'm not really much of a teacher. I don't, I don't really like to teach. Well, sure you do. Sure you do, because Jesus is going to empower you to do it. So you can, and it's great. And when it happens, you won't be able to take credit for it. God will get all the glory. It'll be great. And, and, and then some of us, so we're all called to make disciples, and we're all called to be for all the nations. And, and not, listen to me, not just the nations here. 
but the nations everywhere. Now, guys, listen to me. We have a unique way in Northern Virginia because God has brought the nations here. Did you hear Rihanna talking about all the different countries represented just in her, her classroom? And to be a first-year teacher, man, Rihanna, we're really proud of you. That's really awesome. But that's amazing. We live in a place where God has brought the nations to us, but that does not excuse us from going to the nations. It's just a lie the enemy uses to keep you from the mission of God. So when we talk about groups of people, God is not, Jesus is not talking about different countries. Did you hear that? Going to all, making disciples of all nations does not mean going to different countries. The word is ethnos. It means different people groups. It means groups of people, not geographic countries. In fact, most of the geographic countries, well, none of them even existed when Jesus said this. They've all changed and they're all different now. Jesus is talking about going to many different groups of people. So let me tell you this. Anybody know how many people are in the world today? Actually, this is as of last night. It's about 7.8 billion people. By the end of the year, we'll be at 8 billion people on planet Earth. Okay? Out of those 8 billion people, there are over 17,000 groups of people. So that word, nations, ethnos, groups of people, different ethnicities, 17,000. Because, you know, that's amazing. We do that a lot of times. We go, oh, no, there's only 194 countries in the world. Okay, 194 countries and over 17,000 different cultures, ethnicities, groups of people. Especially people who've never been outside of America. Got to get used to knowing that not, not just because people have the same color skin means they're from the same country or have the same culture or the same preferences or, or grew up the same way. It's different groups of people. And, uh, and so listen to this. Out of that 17,000, 7,500 of them have never been reached with the gospel. There are 7,500 groups of people on the planet who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not 7,500 groups of people, 7,500 people, that would be over 40% of the world's population. Over 40% of the world's population knows more about Microsoft and Etsy than they do Jesus. And I love you, but that is on our hands. Because we now, as the church of Jesus in America, have more access to getting the gospel to more places than any generation has ever had before us. And we are still losing ground. So the question is not, oh, hear me, brother, sister. The question is not, are you called to stay here or go? How dare we put God in that box? God, I am just called to be here. The truth is you're not. The default is actually that you're called to go until he has specifically made it clear that you cannot go yet. That is the way followers of Jesus live. And the fact is that many of us are saying, I'm only called to be here. Or I'm only called to reach the nations here. Or I am only called to go. I am not called to reach the nations here. And the fact is you are abusing the calling of God. 
by using the word calling when you mean preference. And the fact is, many of you and me, we just prefer to stay here than to go. We have not been called. The calling is clear. This calls us. God calls us, not our preferences or desires. The calling is clear, but our preferences may be. So you are welcome to share your preferences with the Lord as long as he gets the final say because he has risen from the dead and he has all the authority. Well, he he goes on and finishes up. The next part, he says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I just want you to see, I don't have time to jump into baptism today, but I just want you to see the pattern we see in Scripture is that once someone believes in Jesus, then they are baptized. It's not, baptism is not some super spiritual step that you take, like, you know, when you feel like you know enough. Um, the, The fact is, like, you don't need to know more to be baptized. There is no class that you have to attend in order to be baptized, okay? You believe in Jesus, you surrender to his lordship, get in the water, okay? Like, that, that's what we see here in the Great Commission. The other thing I want you to see is that baptism, number one, is important. Like, Jesus doesn't skip over it. It's not as optional as maybe some of us would think. Like, it is an important command from Scripture, Okay. Second, we need to see that baptism is done with the church. So if the mission is for the church, then baptism is for the church. It's not just something we do because, you know, we're at somebody's, you know, we're at a beach with our friends and we just want our six friends to baptize us in the beach or with a, you know, like it's done within the context of a local church. And the third I want you to see about baptism is that it's not just a pastor's job. Because if the Great Commission is for all believers and baptism is a part of the Great Mission, then baptism is for all believers. And one of my heartbeats for Impact Church is that every single follower of Jesus in our church will baptize someone. That every single person in our church will be able to stand with someone in the water and say, I got to be a part of what God was doing in their life. And they will get to see it to fruition. Um, The next thing you see is the part of the mission of God is teaching them to obey all Jesus commanded. So when you ask, Brandon, what does it look like to make disciples? This is your answer. So circle this. We teach them to obey all that Jesus has commanded. So you may say like, listen, it doesn't have to be what I'm doing. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to get up and do what I'm doing. You don't have to, like teaching them to obey can just be super relational and within it. But listen, we, when we meet with someone for discipleship, we don't just teach them the book of John. We teach them to obey the book of John. The command is not to teach them the scriptures. It's to teach them to obey the scriptures. So that means you can't have discipleship without accountability. That means you can't have discipleship without vulnerability or transparency. Because what we're talking about is not more knowledge. We're talking about more obedience. Because what does more knowledge get you? It just makes you a jerk. Well, that's what Paul said. Knowledge puffs up. But he says, love builds up. So the fact is, we're not after more knowledge. We're after a relationship, guys. We want you to know God. And we know him best by obeying what he says. And this is the last part we say, and worship team, you guys can come up. But the the last part of the mission of God is this. Jesus will be with us always to the end. 
Here's what I know. Most of the time, we don't do things because we don't want to do them. Is that fair? I, most of the time, I don't do things just because I don't want to. <laughs> so if someone says, you know, this, this would never happen in our home, but if my wife, Ellen, ever came to me and said, Brandon, why didn't you take the trash out? Well, the first answer that flows through my head is, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't enjoy taking out the trash, okay? Well, it got real serious. Apparently, you guys love taking out trash. I don't. It's not my thing. But I would never say that, right? I would never say that. Instead, I would say, oh, oh, I, yeah, I was just about to do it, you know? Or, yeah, no, don't, don't do it. I got it, I got it, I got it. Guys, the fact is, most of the time, we don't do things because we don't want to. So Jesus gives us the greatest motivation to fulfill his mission that we could ever have. And that is his presence. Our motive for his mission is the presence of Jesus. See, guys, I'll be honest with you. I don't really like planting a church. I mean, it's cool, it's fun, but like, that doesn't get me up every morning. I don't really think being a pastor, like, that doesn't make me like get out of bed and go, I can't wait to pastor today. And to be honest with you, like, I do that because I love making disciples. But if I'm being real honest, the thought of making disciples some days is so hard that even that is not enough to get me out of bed. That is not enough to keep me going because it can be really discouraging and really hard. So do you know what the motive is that gets me out of bed every day? That has helped us plant churches throughout Northern Virginia, that has helped us continue to make disciples even though we've been hurt and we've been disappointed and our expectations haven't been met. You know what the number one thing is that has kept me and my family in the game? Being with Jesus. Because if I can have his presence, I have everything I want. I literally don't want anything else. Planting a church, great. Making disciples, great. But give me Jesus. That's what I want. And Jesus tells me, do you want my presence? Do you want me to be with you always? Then go make disciples of all nations. Baptize them and teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. And then, Brandon, I will be with you. Man, my motive is not that I like to geek out over theology. That stuff gets on my nerves. What my motive is, is that when I'm doing it, when we're meeting together, when we're walking through life together, when we're trying to tell more people about Jesus, when we're on this mission together, God, I never feel closer to Jesus. Like it makes me feel so close to Him because I get done and I go, God, I can't do this. And He says, I know. And I say, so you got to help me. And he says, I will. I say, Jesus, I just got to have you. And guys, maybe most of us are not fulfilling the mission of God, lest maybe even we don't care about the mission of God because we've had the wrong motive. We're doing it to fulfill other things other than to receive the presence of Jesus. So I want to ask you to do these three things today. Number one, Let's normalize making disciples. 
Let's normalize it. Let's be such a weird church that it is normal for someone to come to you and say, is anyone discipling you? And you had to tell 12 people, yes, someone's already discipling me. Leave me alone. Let's normalize it. Let's not make making disciples something that the all-stars do or something that spiritually mature people do. Let's just make it something that followers of Jesus do because we want the presence of Jesus in our lives. And guys, some of us are waiting to have the presence of Jesus until so that we can make disciples. But listen, it's the act of obeying Jesus and making disciples that brings us the presence of Jesus in our lives. So let's normalize this thing. Let's make accountability normal. Let's make um, repentance normal. Let's make confessing sin normal. Let's make looking at someone and going, man, I didn't know they were struggling that bad, but look at how they've depended on God and God's changed their life. Let's make that normal. Like we go, oh, yeah, can you pass the rolls? Normal. Let's normalize the mission of God in our church. Number two, let's formalize it. Let's make it a formal thing. Maybe today you need to formally surrender to the mission God has for your life and stop messing around with it. Maybe you're waiting to hear from God or maybe He's waiting for your full surrender. And number three, let's finalize it. Let's go all in. Let's quit messing around. Oh, I believe this, I believe that. Let's just go final. Let's say, Jesus, it is my singular passion that you are with me. For the rest of my life, I am with you too. And I will go where you send me. I will do what you tell me to do. I am all in. Final. Let's normalize, let's formalize, and let's finalize. And I want to encourage you with this. Don't give up. Those of us who are making disciples of all nations, don't give up. Because Jesus said, I will be with you always until the end. The job will get done. The mission will be accomplished. And Jesus will never turn his back on it. He is all in. Let's pray together. Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church Sermon Podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.